Hola, and welcome to La Receta, a podcast that highlights the hidden stories of Latinx talent across different industries, used to create awareness and inspire the next generation. I'm your host, Miguel Lopez Ixta. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to be chatting with Berto Santiago, creative director at Studio Resonant from Pandora. He is going to take us through his journey as a creative, starting in La Isla de Puerto Rico to working with some of the biggest brands in the world. How's it going, everyone? Um, Miguel here, back again. Um, so today I have a special guest. We have Berto Santiago, creative director at Studio Resonant from Pandora. Um, Berto, it's an honor honor to have you here in the podcast. So happy you're uh, you're joining us. If you know, you just want to do a quick introduction about yourself and you know, but what you do. Oh no! Thank you, Miguel. Uh, well, uh, like you just said, uh, my name is Alberto Santiago. I go by Berto. My friends call me Berto, so <laughs> that's that's for me the the name, the shorter version. Um, I am creative director at Studio Resonate. It's uh, Pandora's in-house audio-first consultancy, um, and uh, you know I've, I'm a writer uh, as a creative, and you know I've I've been working in advertising for the past 15 years. Um, what I do now is pretty much uh, the combination of things that for, I would say, throughout my career have uh, evolved and have made me a better uh, writer, creative, mm -hmm. and, and director or, you know, leader as a, as a leader of a team. Um, I am, I would say, the person in charge of making sure that whatever we do, Uh, resonates with the audience and specifically multicultural Latinx, yeah. African-American, Asian-American, Indian-American. Um, and my goal is to find voices, uh, messages, ideas, things that are clever, uh, that bring brands and audiences inside Pandora's mm. uh, you know, free tier program, right? So yeah. Pandora has two structures when you, know, you pay for something or when you get music for free. Well, in that space where you get music for free, um, you exchange music for um, just, you know, a few ads here and there. Mm -hmm. So whenever we have listeners that are multicultural, in this case, uh -huh. Latinx, you know, the, the, our, our target audiences, we want to make sure that, you know, the audio experience, the musical journey of people mm -hmm. listening is not interrupted by something that feels out of place, <laughs> weird, or that might make people feel uncomfortable. It's yeah. like, wh why am I hearing this? So if we keep people listening, which is good for business, but also good for, you know, Pandora as an app, mm -hmm. as a music app, um, well, what we like to do is just put in place a few tactics and techniques of creative advertising so that people, you know, stay listening and listening to the music they want, which is our goal. We, we want people listening to music and, you know, it moves the needle to, to sell ads, but, yeah. but the priority has always been to put music first. So, awesome. um, and I enjoy it because of that's, that's my passion, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love music. That's something I've always felt. Uh, you know, close to mm -hmm. and um, coming from the Caribbean, from Puerto Rico, um, you it's have in your that blood. DNA. Yeah, it's in your blood. Yes, you have that DNA of, of reggaeton, of cumbia, of uh, you know, bomba y plena. Uh, we have the salsa, the merengue. So it's it's it feels like 
I'm still dreaming, Miguel, if I want to be honest with you, because I never thought I would be a creative. I never thought I would be a writer. And I would never have imagined that I would have ended, uh, you know, and working at Pandora. That's awesome. Um, as, a, as a creative director. So it's, uh, it's a win-win for me. And it's yeah. my, my, Dis my Disney world. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, with how much, you know, um, the Latinx culture has, you know, been growing. I mean, it's always been big, but like how much more acknowledgement there, there's there been in the Latinx culture now and how reggaeton's popping and, you know, like bad, we got Bad Bunny, J Bob, you know, we're going worldwide and, you know, it's so important what you're doing. So, yeah, I mean... It's definitely something, yeah, it's definitely something that I'm I'm really interested in now because now seeing it from the other perspective, uh, how music, um, how music is driving culture, but also creating connection, yeah. letting people express their identity, freeing up lots of creativity and, and lots of passion for expressing who you are, where you came from, how does that help you, you know, become who you are? And it we're seeing that expression with collaborations, you know, uh, you know, solo performances, people who don't understand the language of the music yeah. they're listening to, but still feel the vibe, the energy, the essence of some of those artists. And, and it's crossing culture is mm -hmm. merging and it's creating, you know, the, we try, we try not to use the generic uh, melting pot, um, yeah. you know, generalization, but it's true that mm -hmm. music can, you know, help you add more ingredients to the melting pot and and you know people people love it people now know you know puerto ricans and music from puerto rico um back in the day when my parents were you know growing up it was all about salsa and salsa yeah. had that moment in time and place where la fania was representing and now you know 40 50 years later we have uh you know the reggaeton booming creating economies yeah. making people you know, feel proud of where they come from, but also, you know, you have Colombians mm -hmm. saying thank you to reggaeton. I, you know, I'm living the life I've always wanted because of this uh, rhythm and the creation of, of uh, you know, passion and music. And, and, and in essence, it's, it's wonderful because uh, I think all, I'm not a big, big reggaeton fan, but I'm a big fan of music and yeah. I'm a big fan of letting people express their creativity through music. So I, I might just, you know, enjoy one song or two or, um, but, but I, whenever I see authenticity and this is where you see Jay Balvin or others mm -hmm. come through shine brighter, it's because, you know, they're not afraid of yeah. what people might think. They don't shy away from, you know, the important things or saying things the way they feel they have to. A hundred percent, yes. And, 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 and that's, that's key, right? It's key in music. It's key in communication. It's key in what we do in, in advertising. Um, and we're, we're pretty much in that intersection in time where, you know, it's authenticity, music, relevancy, and, and being bilingual is, as a, yeah. is well-received, re well right? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think growing up, I, I also, I like, I would have never thought that I'd have a chance to sit down with someone that, you know, like it's helping like move this and in the part of all this happening. So again, thank you so much for, you know, joining us in the podcast. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure, man. But yeah, I think if we want to get into the, uh, you know, the, you just want to talk about your childhood, um, your family roots. I know you mentioned you're from Puerto Rico. Um, and then just, you know, growing up. 
Well, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it might take a little bit more time to sit down, grab a cup of coffee, and, and let's let's see how this works. Un cafecito. So you know, <laughs> if, if, yeah, if we start from the beginning, um, a, a cafecito is important because um, you know it's it's who we are, right? Yeah. It's the energy at five o'clock. Um, I was born in Puerto Rico, as I mentioned. Um, I, I come from a very small town in the south part of the island, and you know the island is not very big. Mm -hmm. If you have three hours um, and you have a car, you might just uh, do a round trip from Ponce oh, to Ponce. Wow. It might be more, it might be less, depending on traffic. But so Ponce, uh, I was born there. I have a, a, a brother four years older than me. Mm. Um, my parents are uh, as uh, I would say as different as a couple can be. Um, mm. <laughs> my dad was born in Puerto Rico. He's from Ponce all his life. He has been there. He's, he's a, I would call him a minimalist. He doesn't want to owe anything to anyone. Mm, 100%. Um, and he <laughs> wants to live the simple life. That's, he's, he's happy. And then we have my mom who, she was born in the Bronx. Oh. Um, in the 50s, in New York, a Latina, in the middle of, you know, the, I would say, most confusing time for Hispanics moving from uh, Puerto Rico to New York. Um, she was born there, so it wasn't easy for her. And then she, at the age of, I would say, 16 to 17, um, she, her parents decided to move her back with Abuelita uh, because it wasn't safe for her. So it wasn't easy. It was yeah. as she as she mentions the stories were kind of rough. So she ended up moving to Puerto Rico to Atillo, which is like a smaller town in the north. Um, I would say northwest of of the island. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, um, for some reason she had to move from different towns and ended up in Ponce where she met my dad and awesome. the rest is history. I, I don't know how, I don't know what happened. It, it, they couldn't be more different. My mom is a liberal, a hippie from New York, Latina, you know, born and raised in the Bronx. My dad is a country guy, a countryman, you know, a jibarito. And, and they were both are really smart. Uh, my dad has, you know, he, he went to college, um, is a Officially, is a chemist, but oh, you know wow. he doesn't. He never practiced anything uh, close to that. But but his brain is like that. He's mm. you know very straightforward, um, calculated steps, no risk. You know, and then the opposite is my mom, which is she was a poet. She's now holds a PhD in, in English. Obviously, for her coming from New York, it was easier for her to understand that. And she uh, decided to be an English teacher and then grew up and moved through the ranks and now is a college professor. So That's awesome. for us, that was that was probably the best decision that she made mm -hmm. because we grew up um, in, in that culture of New Yorking, a New Yorker and then a Puerto Rican wow. um, speaking English, but also understanding you know our roots and our traditions. Yeah, And that's basically, if, if I summarize that, it's basically how uh, Puerto Ricans in my generation grew up. Mm. Um, totally confusing times. Uh, we are, we're basically the last colony yeah. in the U.S., um, right? We, we're not a state. We can't vote. Uh, but we had MTV uh, when it came to, you know, watching 
TV. Yeah. Uh, but we also grew up with Mexican TV programming, right? So we, we did El Chavo del Ocho and then MTV Just and then, pirito. you know, Who's the <laughs> Boss, right? So, so it, was, it was Galavision, but also wow. MTV and then NBC and WGN. And, and we were, when we were growing up, uh, it was as confusing as hell because wow. um, we weren't sure of our identity as uh, citizens of the U.S., but also Puerto Ricans feeling proud of our flag, our heritage, our 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 status, but also, you know, our history. Um, it, it, obviously, Puerto Rican history is it's way more complicated than just uh, understanding that we, you know, dominate both cultures and, and speak, have to speak both languages. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it was interesting because, again, it was a micro-bubble culture, right? It's still an island. Yeah. And everything has to be imported. Um, you have to come up with, you know, things to do for yourself. Um, you have to create your entertainment. You have to find things to do, and then you need to dream bigger because your dreams might be as small as the island or as big as the world. Wow! Right. So, that's so it's awesome. a yeah. It's it's a it's a very interesting perspective. Going to school, I you know I did school in Ponce, and Ponce is a very very small town where. Probably um, everyone knows who you are, or who yeah. your parents are, or who your cousins are. Um, so it's it's a very small town. Um, and then you you uh, if you decide to work in advertising, or you know, if you decide to to do something in the media side of things, you have to go to the capital city, which is something north. Um, so I moved to the north. Well, you know, I. And did college. Yeah. And something interesting about college is uh, in my junior year in high school, I was feeling so anxious. And I knew because of my friends, some of my friends were seniors and they were graduating and I wasn't. So I'm like, uh, I'm not sure about senior year. What's the, mm. you know, and then I skipped senior year. I finished, you know, my junior year, did summer school and ended up being a 16 year old kid with no driver's license starting my freshman year in college. <laughs> I had no idea what was happening, and it was all too fast. Um, but I, I also remember that, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be a vet. Oh, okay. So I started, I started school as pre-med, and, you know, I was in a rush to just start getting into the action of, of college and, and obviously growing up, mm -hmm. still a, a baby, a 16-year-old yeah. kid. Um, I was like, no, this is, this is too much. Obviously, in the middle of, of college, you start making friends, you start yes. liking different things, you start exploring the world. Um, I, I remember going, my, my grandpa, uh, who is now dead, but he used to drive me to, to college. Because I didn't have a license. Wow! In oh my, my god! In my, that's, in my that's so view. crazy to think. Yeah. That is. Oh my god! It is. It is crazy. It is crazy. I wasn't. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but um, I remember that in the middle of that transition, uh, you know, I uh, my friends started a reggae band because reggae was, you know, the hottest thing in in the island, um, and our influences always come from our neighbors, right? So we had salsa, reggaeton, uh, cumbia. But Jamaica being so close to the island, the influence of Bob Marley and the reggae music um, was so big. 
um, that, you know, most of my friends and growing up, um, they all wanted to have a band, but it wasn't like a rock band. They didn't want to be reggaeton stars, which was catching fire at that moment. Mm. Uh, but we wanted, we wanted to, you know, be different and have a reggae band. So um, my friends started a reggae band, which I thought was, you know, just a, a, a thought-provoking self-expression just to piss my parents. <laughs> um, and it, it did work, right? Um, so one year in college, I... I suddenly decide to switch careers. And suddenly, I'm like, just I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not happy. Well, I was, I wasn't doing really well in, uh, you know, the more more complicated chemistry classes, um, in the precalculus, all the all the really complex classes. My second year, I was already ahead because um, I, I started really yeah. early and I already had credits and I was doing summers. So I would say 35, 40 credits um, in, I was like. I love this part of science, but maybe this is not for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I go I go home one day, you know, trying to do the uh, registering for classes for next year, and I'm like, Mom, I think I want to switch careers. I want to go into advertising. I want to do art. Wow. And she starts laughing. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, really? Oh, you realize that now? And she's like, Well, you remember when you were growing up? And she starts bringing all. All a bunch of old stories I forgot. And she starts mentioning, like, you remember you designed the logo for your dad's grocery store? Wow. And, and do you, you remember that you wanted to read the newspaper, the yellow pages, the, uh, the vehicle, you know, classifieds? There. Yeah. Every Sunday I was uh, uh, taking my time from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And, and just reading the newspaper. And it was a, a very specific section of a thick Sunday newspaper in, in Puerto Rico, El Nuevo Día. Um, and it was all about the car deals and special classifieds and offers. Um, and I was like, oh, did I, did I really did that? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. So we're not surprised you want to do advertising wow. or art. So it took, it took me a year. It took me a while after I realized like, oh, yeah, maybe I, I wanted to do this my whole life. Yeah, that's so awesome. So finishing, finishing second and third year, in, in, um, I, I did uh, go to a local school, um, mm -hmm. La Pontificia Universidad Católica, yeah. which is like the only Catholic university in Puerto Rico and part of a bigger uh, structure of Catholic universities in South America and in America. So it was eye-opening. I started doing advertising, you know, PR, See. business administration, taking all those classes that I'm like, you know, acing because business, advertising, it was in my blood, it was yeah. in my DNA. Um, I understood the concepts. I, I was feeling like, oh, I get it, I get it. Um, and I was excited because I knew that there was a possibility for me to either start a business or work in advertising full time. So my last year, because I was going for summer school too, I was finishing ahead of time and my friends, they were invited to this local advertising competition for students. And we were supposed to represent, you know, the schools we were yeah. studying at at the time. And he he mentioned like, hey, Berto, I know you already graduated because you I finished in December. Uh -huh. uh, but you still have time because you can do the internship. So we want you to be part of this team representing the school. Um, and we have to 
yeah, we have to go on a Saturday to an agency in San Juan, take a brief and, you know, put some work together. For sure. We won. Wow. It was the first time for the for the Católica, for the university, um, to compete, and, and we won that first year. Um, the the same year, I would say the same day, um, we we went to the you know award show per se yeah. to the festival show. Um, I got invited to do internships, and one internship at uh, at that time it was called Wing, which mm-hmm. is part of the Gray um, agency structure. Yeah. So I did my internship at Gray, started working, you know, and, and it was non-paying internship, which it was yeah. pretty normal. So I was I was losing money. Um, but you know, I still was like, yeah. damn, I need to, I need to get this one. At that same time, um, my f- my kid, my, my he's now 17, my kid uh, was born. Oh. So I was a, a parent. I was, a, I was a kid first. I yeah. was a 21-year-old 20, kid with a baby on an not unpaid internship. Wow, yeah. That's it was crazy. a mess. Yeah, that's... It was a mess. So, so I had to, yeah. for my survival, for my kid's well-being, I had to land a gig. I did put all the hours. I slept at the agency. The internship turned into probably one of the best schools of real-world advertising because you don't you don't learn this in the in grind college. yeah 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 so you know i realized well berto you don't know photoshop you don't know illustrator um you can't be an art director hmm. and then and then the cre- creative director there at gray he said well can you write can you put accentos do you dominate the language and i'm like well yeah, yeah. i think i can <laughs> of course well, then you're a copywriter. I have a friend looking, I have another creative director friend looking for a junior copywriter at this agency, which was at that moment, uh, it was called Premier Maldonado. Um, and then that agency got bought by Avaz. Mm. So it was an Avaz agency. Um, and I started working as a junior copywriter That's for awesome. Corona Light, for Acura. And they had like all the dealerships. And then BK was a client. So... It's God. It, God has a plan. Yeah, it, it wasn't me. 100%. It was a little bit of luck. It was a little bit of luck, and I, I still to this day, I, I call my friend uh, Juan Carlos, who invited me to this competition. The project, and say, yeah. He's, he's a lawyer. Yeah, he's a lawyer now, living in Australia. Wow. He's like, dude, I remember. I like everything I have. I owe to you and you calling me for this competition because we won. It was. It was. Uh, I think it was meant to be. Yeah. But um, you know, four years at Avas. Um, not only helped me grow as a professional, but yeah. it really did taught me the craft of being a writer. Mm. Because Miguel, I wasn't prepared to be a copywriter. I sucked. <laughs> it wasn't only grammatical. Yeah. It was conceptual. It was ideas. It was putting thoughts together. It was putting sentences together. It was making sure that whatever we were writing sounded like yeah. advertising copy. So you get to understand the principles of business, but you don't get to craft copy the way, you know, mm. uh, Burger King or Honda or, you know, Corona as, yeah. as Corona Light um, needed to. So four years at Avaz. And then as, uh, you know, I, I, I started moving because obviously yeah. in advertising, it's, it's a reality that if you want to get better at what you do, 
if you want to get a better salary, and at this at this point I have a, a five year old, you need to move up and switch and 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 do good work in order to get noticed and recognized. Yeah. So I put all the hours, I do all the work, and then I start, you know, trying to. What I would say is uh, uh, getting my portfolio to have better content and mm. more content. So I go from traditional advertising to a digital agency. Um, and I, I spent a year or something at Nobox, which is a very popular digital agency that started um, y you know, también digital. Is in Puerto Rico? Or? Yes, it, okay. was, it was in Puerto Rico back then. And, and now they don't have an office in Puerto Rico. They only have an office in Miami and Colombia. Okay. Um, but it was, at that point, the starting point of NoBox. Yeah. And, and it was the school of digital for me. Wow. And That's ob awesome. obviously doing, doing digitals, doing banners, working for big clients, smaller clients, local clients. I, I did the, the Toyota brands from Lexus to Scion to Toyota. Um, I did amazing work for Moxilla. So, so this is the cool thing about uh, Nobox. The owner, mm -hmm. Jason Fittipaldi, um, he used to be a surfer. Obviously, his, his dad is uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, the Formula One driver. Mm -hmm. So he was working in Puerto Rico only because he loved to surf. <laughs> right? So he wow. was a surfer dude and, and ended up meeting other CEOs and CMOs hitting the waves. So wow. in one of his trips around the world, he meets um, and serves with um, one of the guys in charge of marketing for Maxilla Firefox. At that moment, it was a, an experiment of a browser. It wasn't even the, the browser we know it is today. Yeah. So we were creating advertising campaigns, launching the first banners, doing what was the beginning of digital marketing from wow. San Juan to promote Maxilla Firefox globally. So... If, That's mind-blowing. If at that moment you downloaded um, Firefox, it was probably because of the work the team at Nobox in San Juan was doing. So, again, from the, the right island. time. At the, Straight from yes, the island. Yeah, yes. at the right time, at the right moment with the right team um, helped me, you know, understand the possibilities of, hey, advertising is a very small world. And if you do good work, and if you're humble and if you, you know, make mistakes, but also accept that you make mistakes and keep working and, you know, keep treating people the way they should instead of being a diva in advertising, um, <laughs> yep. you, you end up, yeah, you end up, you know, establishing relationships and people wanting to work with you and working in other agencies and growing professionally, but also making sure that you're feeling proud of the work you're doing. Yeah. So, again, uh, after Nobox, I go to work in, um, I think it was a local agency called Sajo Garcia, which at that time um, they had uh, the account for Medalla Light. Mm. And for some reason, X or Y, I don't know why, beer business was my business. I was mm. working, I did Corona Light, and then I did Medalla Light, and then I end up uh, from, I would say, my first 10 years in the island working in advertising. I get a call to, to move to Colorado to work for Coors Light. And that's wow. where it changed my life. And I was like, okay. So I'm, I was born in, San, in Ponce. Yep. I go to San Juan to work. 
um, I decide to move to Colorado with my family to what a you know, switch work on to Coors Colorado. <laughs> Colorado. I did. From the uh, we to did. Colorado. Wow. Yeah. We did three years. Um, the first year was definitely a cultural shock. Yeah, for uh, sure. Marketing to Hispanics, it's not the same. You're not in the micro bubble. The weather is not, you know, nice. It's not I mean, Puerto it's Rico. Nice, sir. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not. We're not in Puerto Rico anymore. So it was. It was tough. Um, it, the first winter was tough. But now that I realize, you know, Colorado was close to perfection. Mm. The culture, the environment, the people, the you know, uh, working in advertising there was uh, very interesting. Um, but then again, you know, moving up, yeah. wanting more. Um, I think uh, the 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 thing that m my mom inspired or I think instilled in me was to, you know, never give up. Yeah. Always want more because you deserve more. Because if your brain can handle more. You can always achieve more, and and that was that was my goal, and it, ha it has always been my driver. So, I did Colorado for a few years, and then moved to Texas um, because uh, Texas was the I would say the main spot for multicultural Hispanic advertising. Mm -hmm. Right, it was at the center of you know the U.S. both handling understanding the West Coast and the East Coast, and then the the Texas audience is very specific. It's uh, it's <laughs> Mexican influence, but it also has that melting pot culture where yeah. you don't know where people come from, but they just are Latinos and Hispanics, and it's a mix of everything wow. and everyone, which is super delicious, super confusing. Obviously, it makes marketing harder because you think you can you have the recipe for yep. the West Coast or understand the audience for the East Coast, and then you go to Texas, it's like, I mean, what's this? <laughs> plan, yeah, planners have no idea how people behave, how they choose language, how they, you know, uh, decide or pick brands. It's it's crazy, but it's it's crazy in a good way because, you know, it's self-sufficient. Texas, you know, could be, you know, if they wanted to, their own nation. Yeah. Um, right. So it's it's uh, interesting. It's people from different backgrounds. So. Um, as that is happening, this Puerto Rican is turning into a Mexican, right? <laughs> I am now influenced by working with people from yeah. Colombia, working with people from Mexico. Um, something that really helped me was, you know, in, in Puerto Rico, most of the creative directors were not from Puerto Rico. Uh -huh. So if you, it, it's like uh, the Superman effect. In San Juan, I had a creative director from Mexico. I had a creative director, Jason Fittipaldi from Brazil. I had a creative director from Peru. Mm. And that's exactly another part of the recipe. In Puerto Rico, I'm just a regular Puerto Rican. Yeah. But in the U.S., I am the multicultural Puerto Rican that understands culture. So 100%. I have a superpower yeah. by... I have a superpower by dominating both languages and understanding, you know, the two sides of the creative aspect, but also the consumer aspect and understanding English and bilingual yeah, yeah. and multicultural. Um, and then um, a little bit of Colorado, a little bit of Texas. And then I did New York for a year, came back to Dallas, um, started working in the automotive industry, ended up uh, working for GTB, which is uh, at, at that point, it was the Ford um, agency. Mm. Right, it was like the in-house advertising agency combination, born in Detroit to to serve um, the client or you know the the big client. But I was in Texas handling four different markets. 
four forward as a client in those four markets only for the dealerships. It was a budget of $40 million <laughs> in my life. I mean, the biggest client I had in Puerto Rico was $1 million, probably doing, you know, 12, you know, TV spots. Um, and now I'm working with $40 million, buying, you know, sponsorship with the Marbreaks, shooting in Amarillo, yeah. shooting in, in San Antonio. I mean, it was, it was insane, the size of the business. I think it's crazy how you went from this, starting your career at an internship that wasn't paid, you know, you're just grinding... To handling this much money now, that's crazy. Yes, and, and if you see the work I was doing at the beginning, oh, Miguel, uh, <laughs> I, I, even my eyes are sore if I, <laughs> if I see some of the work I'm doing. Right? You know, I was back then just uh, figuring out if I was a writer or an art director um, and then getting chances. Uh, I, I remember uh, shooting in Peru, uh, doing color transfers in, in Chile, um, going to Mexico to to shoot spots for Coors Light, meeting you know soccer stars, uh, having an amazing experience, just understanding the side of business and 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 again it's you have to be prepared for these opportunities, but yeah. you also have to take chances, um, and and then obviously one of those chances uh, for me personally was to say. Okay, what what happens next? Yeah, and and you're familiar you're familiar with this because you know um, Ford at some point, um, GTB um, were on the business side and and they lost the account yeah. for Ford. So I'm in Texas. I've been there before. I have worked in advertising for you know 12, 13 years mm -hmm. now, and I know that this this is going down. Yeah. I'm gonna lose my job. I'm I'm not gonna you know I can't afford this right now. Yeah. Um, so what's the next step? And Pandora suddenly appears and wow. they're like, we need a multicultural creative director. You need to understand audio. You need to understand radio and you need to move to Atlanta. And I'm like, okay, I'm from Puerto Rico. I can do Spanish and English. I have a podcast, so I understand audio. And I have a few awards, and some of them, most of them, are for radio spots. Um, are you interested in me? Because I'm really interested in you. And the rest is, you know, I've, I've been now for two years with Pandora. Um, it has been a learning experience because I thought it was a music app. It's way much more than that. It's, it's, a, it's a data company. Um, it's an advertising machine. It's still a startup, right? Yeah. We're now owned by SiriusXM, but mm -hmm. that doesn't change that we're making, breaking, changing stuff, getting the app. So, so SiriusXM has a very strategic vision in the business because they are satellite, mm -hmm. right? So satellite means that they send one signal up and that signal goes to your car yep. or to your any, any kind of uh, vehicle that has the antenna. But it's one signal. There's no communication. What they send down, that's it. You get continuous music and, and it's, you know, ad-free and it's awesome. Many, many stations. What happens with Pandora is that we have engagement and consumer communication because you are using the app and that app that you train, that you engage, that you mm -hmm. play with, gives Pandora billions of data points. So 
while the strategic version or vision for SiriusXM is to keep satellite moving, for Pandora is keep people listening mm. because we're learning more, yeah. because we understand consumer behaviors, because believe it or not, music can give away a lot about you mm. and who you are and what you're doing and how you're feeling. So there's a, there's a two-way communication with, with Pandora. And, and now, obviously, we're going into podcasting and SiriusXM is just going crazy, trying to compete with Spotify, yep. trying to buy as many, you know, we just bought Stitcher. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's going to be, it, it's not going to end this year. Um, and, and we're going to keep developing what we do. But inside Pandora, the world of the science of sound, many things that we took or I, I took for granted because I thought I understood radio advertising. And I'm like, well, this is not traditional anymore. Um, you know, so what we try to do is just, uh, again, usar una buena receta que, you know, yeah. mixes the good things and the bad things of audio. And then, yeah, we do it for brands. But our goal is, yes, we do advertising. But what we do is feel millions of years with music in exchange for advertising. Okay, yeah, that's okay. So let's make that advertising experience pleasant, enjoyable, that's... welcoming, right? Um, so again, I'm still learning. I, no, I mean, sure. there's there's no way I can, you know, in two years get to a point where I'm a, a master or, you know, a, 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 what we call a specialist in audio advertising. But I do understand culture. I understand passion. I understand hard work, and I'm I'm getting a little bit ahead of La Receta, uh, which is for me what what is my receta. Cool, man. Well, the, well, that's awesome, and you know, I'm happy to see you know another Latino as a creative director. Um, you know, trying to move the needle and moving culture, and you know, especially during these times where you know there's so much things happening and so many things going on. So, you know, for the last part, uh, La Receta, if you want to share you know, your ingredients to your dish, you know, what was it that got you to where you are now? And, you know, like, what are those ingredients that you would share with, you know, young Latinx talent coming up or on the come up? Uh, well, before I go to the receta, I have to say you're doing the work, Miguel. I think it, sharing stories, sharing other stories in the other episodes. I'm I'm so humbled that I, I get to be one of your episodes because I know this is my story and it's only the beginning as I see it creatively. Yeah. I hope that I get to record another episode for a history, you know, of uh, some new stories 100%. down the line. Yeah, some new stories down the line. But I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that um, you gave me the chance. So, um, thank you. The, the receta. Do, do I have a receta? I, I think uh, a few ingredients to, to throw in. And you know, if we go back to the kitchen and uh, do some mofongo, which is our, <laughs> our traditional, you know, receta uh, boricua. I have to say, you have to. In this space of creativity, you have to show passion. Um, mm. You have to love what you do because if you love what you do and it's a cliche, you will not feel this is real work. You will just feel this is something that pleases your heart. Uh, but to, to do that, you need to love it and you can't fake that. So yeah. show who you are the way you are. Show love. If you really love what you do, show it authentically. So bring a little bit of love, a little bit of authenticity. And then the, the third mm. part of this recipe is you have to know when 
but you have to open your mouth. The reason mm. I've, I've done so much and I've accomplished so much in, in my career, I believe it's because I've, I'm, I get in trouble. And I get in good trouble and, <laughs> and bad trouble because I open my mouth. But I know when to shut up and I know when I do have to speak up and say, hey, I believe this is not the good or the best way. Mm. I believe this is a better idea. Why? And then I put my heart into my answers. I put, you know, my well, yeah. feelings into this. And again, it's it gets very personal because I I'm truly passionate about what I do. Um, it might mm. be it might be an ad, it might be a simple ad, but you don't always know what an ad yeah. can do for people and how can that influence. We're sometimes pushing product and that's fine, but sometimes we're pushing causes. We're pushing, mm. you know, a reason behind something. And, and that also makes me a lot of happy. And then the last thing for the recipe before you plate it and you put it in front of the audience is uh, keep your ears open. Opportunities mm. are all around us and you have to listen um, to what's happening. Um, and I think a little bit of love, lots of passion, opening your mouth, keeping your ears open um, and you have something that uh, will prove at least a little bit, uh, hopefully, tasty and successful uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, staying creative and, and um, feeling at least, I mean, accomplished. I, I, I don't think I would have changed anything that has happened to me. Um, but again, I now have more experience, so I would have taken better mm. or made better decisions. So, but again... God has a plan. So thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm I'm really humble to be here. And, you know, I'm so happy, you know, to have you on the podcast. And thanks again for sharing your story. And hopefully down the line, you know, a couple more seasons down, we we got another interview. Awesome. Going. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, we have to collaborate on something. Let's let's do something. Let's, let's do a project together. Hopefully. We'll, let's do it. Thank you so much. Miguel. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. La Receta is produced by myself, Miguel Lopezista, Sarita Wesley, and Lucy Dwyer from Wyden & Kennedy. Sound editing by Natalie Hazenga for Joint Editorial.